through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. It took me almost 40 years to learn how to do this. And now I just do it all the time. I love doing it. I'm talking about learning to just say no, which I have found in my travels around the country is still one of the most difficult things in the world for women to do. Dr. Bartha Beck is here today with a cure, really. If you will listen to her, if you pay attention and get it, you can cure your disease to please, or at least take big strides toward curing it beginning today. Dr. Martha Beck is a regular contributor to Old the magazine where I'm wearing the hat this month in June. And actually, Martha, I, I've never told you this, but you are the first thing I go to in the oh magazine. Oh, my God. You are the first. I love your column so much. I think you have I such. I go to yours. You go to mine. <laughs> yeah, what I know for sure you right go to away. What, I already know what I know for sure, so I don't, <laughs> I already wrote that. So I go to you every month because I think oh, you have such you. solid, sound advice. She's in the O magazine every month. And she got her PhD from Harvard while raising three children. She works as a life coach and has really sound, sensible advice that you can just, in the instant that you read it, know, oh, that's the truth. I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> she says, every woman in the country is socialized to act like a doormat. We all have been socialized that way. And today, you all agree, right? Yes. Today, she is going to begin to teach us how to say no. Kelly desperately need Martha's help. Kelly says she is so eager to please that she spends thousands of dollars a year trying to buy people's love. Look at this. I'm a 29-year-old single woman. I'm very, very hardworking in the real estate field. I own my own home. I drive a very nice car, and I make very good money, and I feel like I have to buy other people's love. I am a doormat when it comes to money. I just cannot say no to my friends, family, or any type of relationship that I'm in. I just broke up with my boyfriend of 11 years, and basically I paid for everything to keep him in my life. I even found out that he was using my credit card to go to strip clubs, and it was hard for me to even confront him about using my money to pay other girls to take their tops off. I finally got the courage to kick him out, but I am still paying for him to stay in a hotel till he gets some money to get his feet on the ground. I'm a pushover with my friends. I typically pay for dinners. They don't ever ask me. I just feel like that's just my job, that I need to pay to keep them in my life. I always buy the most expensive gifts for my friends, baby showers, wedding gifts, birthdays. Three years ago, I loaned my friend about $3,000, um, and I haven't even gotten $5 back. I'm a very visible person around town. I get 
compliments all the time saying, Kelly, I've never seen you upset. I always am seeing you smiling. But the real fact is that when I get home, it's a very lonely time. I'm not happy. I wish I could find somebody to give me something. I don't think I've ever had that. I don't, I haven't even had a boyfriend that could afford to take me to McDonald's. Well, Dr. Uh, uh, Martha says that uh, Kelly is just like a man who sleeps with prostitutes. Not exactly. How so? <laughs> it's, it's more like she's a man who has decided at the beginning that no woman can ever love him, that he's not good enough. And so he only pays prostitutes because he figures that way he can't lose. He pays people to pretend to love him uh -huh. because he does not believe that he can be loved without that. Do guys think prostitutes love them? No, no. That's, they, they want the prostitute to pretend to love them. Okay. But of course they think she's doing it for the money. Right. And basically what Kelly's doing is, have you ever tried making a friendship or being in a relationship where you didn't offer money? No. So what you're doing is you're starting with the theory, I'm not lovable. Therefore, I will buy people's love, but you're always conscious that it's bought and paid for, so it doesn't feel like love to you. Now, what I suspect is that these people really do love you, you know? I know that I have several friends that love me. You're keeping it away. You know, you say in the tape, I wish that I could find somebody that would value me, that would give things to me. Well, guess what? You got a mirror? You're the only one who doesn't value you. And you, that's the bad news. The good news is that means you have the power to become the someone in your life who loves and cares for you. Okay? Okay. So that's what we got to work on here. Okay, and how do you do that? Well, pragmatically speaking, here's what I want you to do. It's like you've got this theory, nobody can love me unless I buy stuff. But you've never tested the theory. Right. It's like saying, my dog can fly, but I keep him chained down, so I've never, has he ever flown? No, no, I keep him chained up. You know, in fact, the dog wouldn't fly anyway. So it's like you're saying, no one will love me unless I pay them. But you've never tried not paying them to see how they react. Right. So it's going to be scary for you, but I really want you to go on a buying fast for a week. I want you to leave the house every morning with $20 in cash and no credit cards. Okay. Okay? And make sure your car is gassed up or whatever, and make a point of being with friends, being with people, and you will not have the money to pay. You'll get the impulse. But, you know, one of the things that Phil says is that you teach people how to treat you. Absolutely. So if you have been the person who, every time you go out to, to lunch or dinner, you're the one who's paying, you exactly. go out to lunch, people are all like going, okay, Kelly. Uh -huh. Absolutely. The bill is here, honey. What you gonna do? Right, and what's gonna happen is, because financial doormats attract people who take and take and take, right. some of the people in your life are gonna go away. And it is gonna hurt, but they were never really yours. They were just right. being hired. Yeah. And what happens is you'll see who really loves you and who doesn't. It's like you haven't, you've never had a boyfriend who could afford to take you to McDonald's. Why? Because you stayed with one guy for 11 years, you know, and he wouldn't do it. Right. It's not like there were hundreds of men and none of them would buy you anything. Right. Is that you're with one guy who couldn't go to McDonald's. Exactly. Who couldn't take you to McDonald's. Exactly. So then you think no man can take you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You weren't available for all the guys who could have taken you. That's right. Uh, Dr. Martha Beck is with us and says that she once had the disease to please and found the cure. She says she had to learn how to kick men in the crotch before she could erase her welcome tattoo. Martha, explain that. I don't kick all men in the garage. All, all the men are going, hmm, interesting. Uh, but, 
Yeah. No, I, I was doing a model mug, mugging thing with a friend where he was going to pretend to attack me. And I was just to, supposed to hold up my hands and say no. Uh -huh. And I could not make myself do it. I couldn't. And he, we tried like 20 times. And I thought, I got a problem. So I went and learned martial arts for a few years just so I could learn that it's okay to have an actual fight, not just an argument, but a, a fight, and you can still be friends, and things are still okay, and it doesn't kill you. And that really helped me. Well, in this case, Martha also says that the key is to reverse your own psychology, correct? Yeah, this is what you were saying about women being socialized, especially moms. You know, when you have a baby, they're like, okay, never bend his little fingers back, and never like, you could wrench his arm right out of the socket. And when I went to karate, the first thing they said is, well, you grab the guy's fingers and then you wrench his arm out of the socket. And it was like everything I had been socialized to do was to take special care never to hurt, never to be aggressive in any way. And I had to learn to do the opposite under some circumstances. Well, Rhonda says she has a serious case of the disease to please. Her husband, Brian, says that their marriage is doomed if she does not stop being a doormat. Brian and I have been married for 15 years, and I'm a stay-at-home mom with three boys. I really have the disease to please. I just do whatever people want me to do. I want my wife to learn how to say no. A lot of times people drop their kids off at the last minute at my house, and whether I have plans or not, Thanks, Rhonda. I cancel them. I'm mad because it takes up a lot of our family time. I wish Rhonda would spend more time focusing on our family instead of other people's problems or needs. She asked if I could go ahead and watch the dogs. And you said? I told her most likely I could. Brian gets upset because he can tell people no. I just can't, and I don't want people to be mad at me. She's constantly wondering, worrying, you know, is somebody thinking that she's a bitch? The other day, my husband and I were headed out the door to go to my son's baseball game. And the phone rang, and it was my friend that wanted to borrow a purse. And I told her that, sure, we would drop the purse off before we went to the game. It's fine. I hate when she does that, you know. We're already late, and then she says, sure, we'll drop it off, no problem. If somebody asks me to do something, and I say yes, and I really don't want to do it, I end up taking it out on my family. Can't you pick the stuff up when you're done with it? She just vents all her frustrations out with me. You won't believe what kind of day I had today. You know, I've got kids running around. Uh, I got people calling. Everybody wants something. Not hello, not nothing. I'm very frustrated that my wife can't say no to people. It has gotten way out of control. It will ruin our marriage if Rhonda keeps this up. Martha says Rhonda has an addiction and her husband Brian has to treat her like, a, like an alcoholic, like an addicted person to pleasing. Mm -hmm. In fact, three of the criteria for a, an addiction are the substance or the activity in this case is taking up a lot of your time. You try to cut down, but you can't, and it interferes with other aspects of your life. You're meeting all the criteria for an addiction. And what's happening with you, Brian, is you, you need to try to fix this. So you're playing the codependent in this. And here's the thing that is tricky about it. Whenever you say to Rhonda, you should set, set boundaries, what she's hearing is someone else wants me to do something. So if that, that kind of communication is just teaching her to remain a doormat, but just be your doormat, you know what I mean? Right. So what you need to do is start, instead of saying should or shouldn't, 
you say, I feel this, I feel that, I feel neglected, I feel angry, and then she gets to decide what to do. Now you, okay, you've got to sort of hit bottom and bounce with this thing. So if he stops, you know, being the one to set boundaries in your life, you're going to find yourself getting more and more and more exhausted, <clears throat> and at a certain point, you're going to hit bottom. And that's when we change things a little. Okay. What does this mean, this disease to please? I mean, what, is, what does it really say about a person? It basically says that people do not value themselves. If you're afraid that you're not worth enough to own your space on Earth, you're constantly trying to buy the right to exist. Mm -hmm. And you do that with, with service, with labor, with money, with whatever it is. And so, and you, think, and, you, and you think that saying no to people is going to make them not like you and they're going to be mad. Yes. Right. And then if they're mad at you, then what happens? They I don't like you and they'll think you are a bitch. I, I just, I worry about like it. Like we're all so afraid of the B word. Right. <laughs> we're just so afraid that somebody's going to say that about us and then what's going to happen? I, I just, I worry. I worry myself to death. Mm -hmm. So, Ronnie, I'm, you're turning yourself inside out. But you know, everybody out. said, this is what I learned. Because lots of people, I mean, I'm sure they think, call me that word all the time. And if they do, so what? I don't know about it. Mm -hmm. So what? So what? Rhonda, let me ask you this right no. now. What about so oh, sorry. what? Sorry. <laughs> what about so what? <laughs> what about so what? Okay. Suppose a person who wants you to keep their dogs, and you, and you say, you know what? I really can't keep your dogs. And they say, that Rhonda, she's kept my dogs all this time. That bitch, she didn't even keep my dogs. <laughs> so what? Exactly. I mean. So what? So, so what? I, I don't know. I, I guess I just don't have that. I get, I just get so nervous. So I don't what? want, I, I just don't want people to be mad at me. Is I, it working? I mean, I. He just said he's very angry and frustrated. But They're you don't care about him being angry no, I and do. frustrated. I do. I do. <laughs> I do worry yeah. about that. You know, you've just, you've been saying, I can't, I can't. The truth is you can. And I, what I'd really like you to do is take two things out of your vocabulary, okay? One is the phrase, I can't. The other is the phrase, I have to. Whenever you say those words and they're not really true, I can't go with you, I have to go see my mother. That's not actually true, but what it does is portray you as a victim and you feel helpless. <laughs> Instead, I want you to use language like, I'm choosing to or I'm deciding to. I'm choosing not to go with you because I've decided to go see my mother. You can still make the choices, but you're, be you're going to become more conscious of the fact that you have the power in your life. Even if all you're doing is giving it away to other people, you have the power. So even if you're scared, it's one of those cases of feel the fear and do it anyway. But change those two parts of your language, and you're going to see some interesting changes in your own internal world. Now let's meet Haunan. She's an exhausted people pleaser who lives in fear of upsetting anybody. Dear Oprah, I am an exhausted people pleaser. I am so afraid of upsetting anyone that I always tip my hairdresser well, even if I hate my haircut. I would never send food back at a restaurant. I wouldn't want the chef to feel bad. When I was pregnant, I ordered a non-alcoholic daiquiri, but the waitress gave me a real one. I drank half of it before I had the nerve to tell her she had made a mistake. Then I apologized profusely for being a pain. I am a piano teacher, and I have never been very good at collecting money from people, and they sometimes forget to pay me or even show up. I have never been able to confront any of them. If I hear someone is struggling, I volunteer to bail them out. I pick up their kids from school, babysit on the spur of the moment, make dinner for them, and bake cookies last minute for school functions. 
My husband gets frustrated that I put myself last. I'm overworked and drained and my family is paying the price. Help, a doormat in distress. Well, Martha says it's time for Haunani. It's Haunani, right? Right. Haunani to, to snap out of it and stop being a bully to herself. Hanani is here with her husband, Craig. Yeah, I mean, what a lot of doormats don't know is that doormatism is just the flip side of being a bully. So let me ask you something. When you are sitting there and the, the waitress is giving you an alcoholic daiquiri and you're afraid to say no, how old do you feel? About eight. <laughs> right. And so there's an eight-year-old in there saying, I don't want that. Tell her to take it back. And what are you saying to that kid inside you who, who's tired, exhausted, doesn't want to say yes? I'm telling her to be quiet so she doesn't make anybody upset. <laughs> exactly. You're saying, I'm not going to listen to you. I don't care about you. You don't matter. You know, get back wherever you came from and don't interfere with my life. You're bullying that kid. So doormat energy is incredibly hard to change because it's so limp. But if you think about the bully side of it and you stop yourself and say, wait a second, instead of attacking that kid inside me, I'm going to say, honey, I hear you. Isn't and, there a lot of anger, too, going on oh, with people pleasers? tremendous amounts of anger. Yeah, yeah. You see, you scratch the surface of a doormat, and you get a volcano of rage. It's amazing. Yeah. So you Lying need to start beneath the surface because everybody is so ticked off that they've let people use them for years. Yeah. Aren't you underneath the surface mad as hell? Yes, I am. <laughs> mad Absolutely. as hell, really? Yes. yes. Because you're just sick of it. Aren't you sick of people just taking advantage of you? I sure am. Are you allowing yourself to be taken advantage of? Yes. Yes, because I can't say no. I mean, if, if yes, I could... Yes, you can. You choose <laughs> not sorry. to say I'm no. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't want to say, say no. no. Right. You don't want right. to say no. Right. Well, I have learned, as a person who's been cured of it, I, you, I've learned that it takes teeny, teeny steps. Mm -hmm. You can't do the big thing all at once. Mm -hmm. You have to start with the smallest little thing, like that purse. You start with that purse. Mm -hmm. When she says, you know, I need the purse, you can say, you know, I can, you can come by and get it or I'll leave it on the doorstep. or Just the tiniest little things. It's about really, I think doormats, having been one, I think I was about 42 when I finally got cured. But having, that's a long time, ain't it? <laughs> but I think with doormats, because you end up doing everything everybody wants, you haven't asked yourself really right. in life, what do I really want? You haven't even taken the time to say, what do I really want? So in every situation, it means you have to go inside yourself and say, now what do I really want to do in this, to do in this situation? Do I right. want to drive all the way over there and make the whole family late? Do I want to do that? Or do I really want her to use the purse? Do I want to, do you want, even do you want to use the purse? Mm -hmm. If I want to use the purse, what would be the best way to do that? You see what I'm saying? Yes. But you have to stop every single time and say, right. what do I want? What and, do I want? And say to that part of you inside, I am going to stand up for you. We're hearing confessions from women who suffer from the doormat syndrome. Um, Dr. Nancy Snyderman is joining us being, via satellite, and she once suffered from the disease to please and says that it can actually kill you. Nancy's deed to be nice actually caused her to vomit in the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> First of all, what were you doing in a Lincoln bedroom? My first big advice, uh, my first big invite to a White House party, and uh, I never made it out of the bathroom with the worst migraine. I never even got headaches before. Came back to San Francisco and said, you know, this big debut at a White House party, I should have been great. And a friend who's a doctor of mine said, how much stuff are you doing? And I said, oh, not too much. He said, how many boards are you on that you really don't care about? How many people have you said yes to that you really don't want to help? And I said, not many. He said, go home and write down a list and bring it to me tomorrow. 
and I was flabbergasted to see pencil on paper how many things I'd committed to that I had no intellectual nor emotional investment in. And he said, by tomorrow, I want you off all but three. And it changed my life, and I got well. And I'm convinced that stress component, that we belittle too much, is a huge reason why most of us who are doormats don't feel good physically nor emotionally. Really? Yeah. And what does, it can literally kill you is what we've been saying, Nancy. Sure, because it increases your stress hormones. If you don't, you have a, a responsibility to put yourself first occasionally. That's not selfish. That's self-preservational. You put yourself first. You have more to give people when you want to. But when you give to everyone else first and you have nothing left for yourself, you have that anger and that stress. And that increases hormones, cortisol, things like adrenaline. And all that does is make your heart beat faster. It makes your blood pressure go up. It makes your blood vessels narrow, increases you, I believe, for heart attack, stroke, uh -huh. cancer, all the things that can put you in an early grave. Well, when you can't say no, I heard you told the producers, it means that you have taken pieces of yourself all carved up. You give out pieces to yourself. Look, if you consider yourself a pie, you've carved up a piece and you've given it to everybody. And you know what hurts? A lot of the times you give yourself to people, they don't really care. They, they don't care, they're takers. They may not be givers themselves. And then one day you sit down and you go, how come I'm all spent? Why don't I feel good? Because you have nothing left. It's analogous to sitting on a, an airplane. And when the flight attendant says, if there are cabin pressure problems, put your own mask on first and then pass around to everyone else. We go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And in real life, we pass that oxygen mask to everybody until we are gasping for air. And I do not think women can afford to do that. We are the nurturers. We are the providers, but until we take ourselves off the back burner and put ourselves on the front burner and make ourselves our own epicenters, we will not be able to live successful and fruitful lives. And I've been on a plane where the mask came down, and I tell you this, that if you don't put your oxygen mask on first, you won't have enough air to That's give right. to anybody else. You won't yeah. have enough air to even, you know, put the mask on your child. That's why they tell you to Absolutely put yours on first. Absolutely true. That's put yours right. On first. That's right. Tell us about your chew and stew store theory. Well, you know, it's interesting, and, and, and I got this from a friend of mine, and I think she's right. In the old days, thousands of years ago, when we were primal and we were being chased on the Serengeti by wild animals, there was a fight or flight syndrome. You stood and you fought, or you flew, you, you, you ran as fast as you possibly could. And those stress hormones allow you to do that, to escape danger. Well, we don't do that anymore. We sit at our desks, we do very sedentary things. And as we get stressed and as we give too much of ourselves, we sit there and we stew and we fret and we think and we worry and we reach for potato chips and we chew everything that's unhealthy for us. Yeah, olive and, oil potato chips, preferably. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and what's really weird, though, is that we tend to crave then things that aren't good for us. We do crave high carbohydrate, high fat foods. Right. So we stew, and we chew, and we get heavy, and we don't feel good about ourselves, and we don't exercise. Just getting out 
if you think you're stressed, go run up and down a couple flights of steps. It'll help release those very primal hormones that are always in our bodies and will make you feel better about yourself. But to sit, sit there and eat things that are unhealthy for you just makes you feel worse about yourself at the end of the day anyway. Well, you're looking really good, Dr. Schneiderman. Thank you ah, so much. You're a sweetheart. Thank you. Okay, it's good well, to see you again. Charlene is a perfect example of the physical effects of the disease to please. She was in the hospital just last week suffering from chest pains caused by her pushover personality. I come from a long line of disease to pleasers. My home, it's become a zoo because I cannot say no to my children. Come on in. I live here with my five children, my son's girlfriend, their baby, and my husband. We also share the home with our 13 pets. Can you believe it? We have four dogs, four cats, two iguanas, two green nulls, and a bunny. This is where the dogs eat. You'll notice it's empty. That's because I haven't filled it in the last hour or so, and nobody else will. It's always been a big joke in my family that I had Rubbermaid welcome mat written across my chest because I could never turn anybody away. If I say no to my kids about anything, it's a complete production number from hell. I want you to clean your room. I am truly overwhelmed and I just want to get in the car. I just want to disappear. Mom, the bunny pooped in your bedroom. Mom, the bunny pooped in your bedroom. <laughs> Martha says that Charlene should take her own advice and and get in that car. Yeah, it's your true self talking, Charlene. I need to get away. Because what you've done is you've trained your animals and your children that if they do a little drama, they're going to get what they want. That's but true. you've got to stop playing your part in that drama. And the best way, you, it's coming from inside you. Get out of the house. Let them have their drama. Don't be part of it. I don't know. That's too hard for mothers to hear, isn't it? It is. Because she's thinking, how can I do that? How does she do that? I know Ann Tyler wrote this book called Ladder of Years, where that's exactly what the mother did. She just disappeared, got in the car, and was gone. But I know we're not saying abandon your children no, and no, the iguanas no. and the children. <laughs> but how does she begin to do that? Well, the reason I said that is that it seems to be coming from in inside her, and I'm really into tuning into your true self. So all you have to do is go out, find a place you like to go, a coffee store, a bookstore, whatever, and just that is your haven. And you can take 15 minutes a day, at least, and just go there and be quiet and be away from all the demands. And that will start to nourish you, and then you'll get more strength to say no. Uh, Nancy, Dr. Schneiderman, Charlene has chest pains over this kind of behavior. Did you hear us say that? Yeah, I did. And, you know, we know that heart disease is the number one killer of women in this country. Did you know and that, And the stress hormones play a role in it. But, you know, it's interesting when you talked, Oprah, about mothers feeling not wanting to abandon their kids, you still have a, cha a right to do what I call running away from home. I don't care if it's walking around the block three times. I don't care if it's getting in the car and driving aimlessly for five minutes. You must have an escape valve and run away from home in some way that then you really want to return, but you get to return on your own terms. Your kids will have a better mom at the end of the day anyway. I don't know how women do it without having some time within the day. Shouldn't that just be a uh required yep. for every woman yep. to give. But you have to make the requirement for you yourself have to do because for yourself. no one's going to give it to you. Because I, I have a pretty hectic schedule, too. Yep. And somebody was asking, you know, how do you do it? How do you balance it all? 
And for me, I have to have a day, usually that day for me is Sunday, that I can give back to myself and restore myself. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy, I'm nuts. I, I, I cannot continue to do the work. So I don't know how moms do it. Because when I just, you know, cook on the weekends for Stedman and I, I think, People do this every day. <laughs> you know, I used and then they do another meal, and then they clean the kitchen. And then by the time you clean the kitchen for breakfast, it's time to start lunch. And then, then you do that there. And then you got to think, what are we going to do for dinner? Then you got to go buy it. Oh, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Absolutely. I talked to a farm wife once who said, back, way back in 1920, she would go hide in the cornfield from her children, and they yeah. couldn't find her. And she said, every woman needs a cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> You need some place where you can go, even if it's just your closet, to shut the door for 10 minutes at least. What is it? What it would be a good amount of time, Dr. Nancy? Well, at least five minutes. There's this great little kids book called Five Minutes Peace. And, you know, it's, it, it really is a metaphor for life. It doesn't matter the amount of time. It de what depends is how you use it. If you just took five or 10 minutes mm -hmm. and breathed differently, right, right. if you lock the bathroom door and say, I'm in here, go away, and pour yourself a hot bath, you just need a chance to change your breathing pattern, to yeah. think about nothing, and to remember that you are the most valued person on the face of the earth. And the minute you know that, you'll be better off for everybody else. Thank you, Dr. Nancy Snyderman. Uh, it's boot camp, sort of, for doormats here with Dr. Martha Beck. Martha says that being a pushover is an addiction and can be cured with practice. Charity uh, says that her fear of the word no has thrown her into a crazy, excuse-driven world. I'm a 29-year-old stay-at-home mom. My husband works so much and sometimes such late hours that the time that we get to spend together is so precious. I really want to be able to spend that time with him and my daughter. My friends call me and sometimes just want to do simple things like go to the mall and go shopping or go out to eat. I can't say no, so I go into these elaborate excuses like, well, my grandmother has broken her shoulder and I'm going to have to go see her and I don't know how that's going to go because the last time we went to see her, we ended up having to call 911 because of the pain medication and it caused her heart to stop. It drives me crazy that Charity just can't flat out say no. I wish I had known earlier before I made plans. Yeah, Willie and I decided to to go out. We are Charity's friends, and we just want her to know it is okay to tell us no. People don't even call that much anymore to invite me to anything. They're calling to make sure that all the people that I've used in my excuses are doing okay. <laughs> I can't say no because I care about other people's feelings. I even feel like I'm sucking my husband into my crazy, excuse-driven world. I even find myself writing down notes of excuses and passing them on well, to him uh, for him to say. That's right. Um... My, my fraternity brother was having uh, his, his weddings today. I'm to the point where I don't answer the phone anymore because someone may want something and I don't want to have to say no. Hello? I know you're there. And I don't want to have to think up another excuse. This is adding so much stress to my life. Having to use excuses for everything and not saying no, there has got to be something wrong with that. Am I crazy? A little bit, yes. <laughs> Martha says Charity needs to practice being a broken record and learn the KISS rule. What's that? The KISS rule stands for keep it short and simple. Yeah. Because the thing is, the longer you go on, the more people know you're lying to them. They really yeah. do, because when you're lying, you tend to elaborate. Keep it short and simple, and they'll know that you're being honest. And the broken record part is you just say it over and over and over. You need to have a little script. 
So you, you want to say no. You're really self-aware mm -hmm. and funny about it. But you're used to doing one thing, and you need to create a new pattern. So maybe you could help her practice just saying, I have another engagement. No, I won't be coming. And just say it over and over and over until that becomes your what pops out of your mouth. When I think the fear is when you've been a doormat so long as you think that when you say no, like, you, like when I first started doing it, mm -hmm. you think, you say no. Yeah. And you're waiting on the other end for the person yeah. to say, you have a they say, most times people just say, okay. Exactly. And the first time that happened, I went, okay? <laughs> you mean okay? I've had all of this anxiety about it, and it's okay? Because people who like you will still like you when you say right. no. You just, and generally, it's yeah. just like, you can't do it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll go to somebody else who can. Yeah, you just worry that they're going to think negatively of you or that they won't feel like what they want from you is important to me, and Again, it is. feel the fear and do it anyway. You practice it, you get a routine down, you practice saying it, and when you're on the phone, you're going to be scared. Do it anyway. Yeah, yeah just know I can't do it yeah. is really enough of an answer. Yeah, right. No? It would be easier. No, no, I can't do it. No, I'm not able to be there. Mm -hmm. No. Three times, and the most persistent person will give up. Yes, and the other thing I learned, too, I think when Gavin DeBecker was here and he wrote his book called uh, Gift of Fear, he said at any time you say no mm -hmm. and people do persist, immediately what you should start to think, and women don't do this, mm -hmm. you should think that person is trying to control me yeah. because what part of no didn't you understand? Right. So when you say no and the person keeps pushing, that means they're trying to control you. Martha's put together a quiz. You're going to love this to determine where you rank on the doormat scale. Answer these statements, true or false. I lie about my feelings if the truth might upset someone. True. Okay, I want people to sense when I've hit my limit without my having to say anything. True. I go blank when asked what I want, like, or think. My to-do list includes things I don't have to do and I don't want to do. I eat, cry, smoke, or drink alcohol when I'm angry. I sometimes feel so drained, I explode at my loved ones and I feel terrible about it. I feel panicky about the thought of someone disliking or disapproving of me. That's your wife. I feel virtuous when I override my own needs or wishes to please others. I feel resentful while doing things for other people. I complain about other people's needs and demands when they are not present. <laughs> and so if you answered most of those questions true, which I'm sure you did, uh, our group today, you did, right? Y'all yeah. are the valedictorians in the doormat <laughs> class. Uh, then that would mean that you're in the doormat category, right? Actually, anything that you answer true to, you need to work on it. Uh -huh. You know, but if you have like four or more, I'd say you classify, you can be classified. How do you way. begin to change it today? That's what we promised when we started this show. Well, I told the people that you could help them begin to change it today. And I have 15 seconds. Yeah. Here's no, what you, you have do. two minutes. Get some time by yourself. Tune into what you want and need. That is number one. And every doormat is bullying part of herself. Okay. Bullying part of herself. Right, the true self that's saying, no, I don't want that. I don't want to do that. Okay. And we turn on that part of ourselves and we say, no, you stupid little, I don't want to hear from you. I'm going to do what other people say. You don't matter. Okay, but today when my friend calls or my whatever calls, I just don't want to be able to sit, sit there and not answer the phone. Right. Number one, you buy time. You, you say, if time. there's a request, let me think about it for a minute. Hang up. Yeah. Figure my line used you to want. be, let me pray on it. I go, oh, that's I'm going to take it to Jesus. I'll get back to it. <laughs> 
Let me pray on think. it. Yeah, I say, let me pray on it. Let me pray on it. And that would at least give you time. Exactly. But that's harder if they just want a pocketbook. You know, if they say, I cannot borrow your pocketbook, let me this... take it to Jesus. Borrow <laughs> his. And see what Jesus has to say about it. Yeah. Now, what you can say then is, oh, excuse me, I need to go get something. Can I call you right back? Yeah, you let me call get you off back. the phone or okay. whatever. And then you connect with what you want. What do you want? Right. That's the first question, isn't right. it? Yeah. And when you know what that is. Okay, first thing, buy time. Buy time. Buy time. Second thing. Let me think about it. Yeah, so figure out what you want. Okay, figure out what you want. Right. Third thing, practice saying no. So you have, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to go today. Scare, it will scare you to death but you have to practice the no response before you're with the other person. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. <laughs>